Hi, I'm Charles Christoph Carter. And I'm his mom, Ellen Carter. We're both writers and have set up this podcast so that we can share the stories we write with you. We'd like to welcome you to this week's episode of Serial Dreadfuls, your place to find original content covering everything from dark historical fiction to science fiction, horror, adventure, and the supernatural. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks. It really helps. As you may recall from last episode, Joe Martin was able to get Chauncey Cuthbert to confess to the gruesome murders of Linda Morgan and Howard Burdett. An 11-year-old boy, Jasper Hemphill, was arrested for joyriding in an abandoned vehicle which resulted in property damage to one of the more powerful and affluent members of the town. And now, without further ado, the next episode of Yardwork. Written by Charles and Ellen Carter. Narrated by Ellen Carter. Joe sank down into his worn leather chair. Bill sat down on the chair across the desk from him. Here's the APB, Bill said, leaning forward and giving Joe the piece of paper. Jesus Christ, Sheriff, an eight-year-old boy's been killed over there, mutilated by some son of a bitch. Where do these bastards come from? Bill asked, shaking his head in disgust. I gave the sheriff a call to see if he had any information about the killing, Bill added. Well, what did he say? Joe asked, looking up from the sheet of paper he was reading. He said the kid was playing in the backyard, not more than 20 feet from the house. And the mother? The mother was in the kitchen, getting lunch ready. And she didn't hear anything? No, that's the weird part. The sheriff said she didn't hear him scream or call for help. She didn't see anyone hanging around? No, not a soul. The sheriff is convinced it's a stranger. But I was thinking, Joe... Maybe it was our boy Chauncey. The mutilation fits. Joe pursed his lips, his eyes narrowed, and he shook his head back and forth. No, I don't think so, Bill. I worked homicide for years in the city. Chauncey's killing those two was more a crime of passion. It was real personal. Joe picked up the APB and glanced at it again. The victim here was a child. It doesn't fit. I think the sheriff over in Lancaster is right in assuming that this was a stranger, someone from outside the area. Joe placed the APB back on his desk and grimaced. Hunting seasons start soon. Most of the towns around this area have already rented out cabins to hunters coming up from the city. Plenty of strangers. Did the sheriff have anything else to say? Bannister shrugged his shoulders and shook his head. No, he didn't. Joe, what are we going to do about it? We can keep our eyes open, but until we get more information, I don't think there's a hell of a lot that we can do about it. What if he shows up here? If he shows up here, we'll stop him. 
Bill stared at him. Hmm, right, he mumbled under his breath. Bill rose from his chair. What do you want to do with that little punk outside? Bill, why don't you give that boy a break? You know his situation. That kid doesn't need a break. He needs to go to a juvenile facility where they'll teach him some manners and some respect. He's not going to amount to very much anyway. He's going to end up just like his old man, a drunkard who beats his wife and kids. If we don't put him where he belongs, then what he might do is hurt somebody or even kill someone like that maniac over in Lancaster. Then wouldn't we all be surprised? But you're the sheriff, he said, a subtle tone of reproach in his voice. Joe looked up, staring Bannister in his eyes, puzzled, wondering where Bill was taking this. This was the second time today that he seemed to be challenging him. Bill, is there a problem? Bill's body stiffened. Problem, Sheriff? Yes, I'm getting the feeling that you're having a problem with the way I'm running things. No, Sheriff. Because you know if you do, we can talk about it. I don't know where you're getting that idea. I don't have any problem with the way you're running things, Sheriff. All right. But if you feel that there's anything you want to talk with me about, my door is always open. Bill nodded. Is that all, Sheriff? Yes, that's all. Bill turned sharply on his heels and left. As Joe walked out of his office and down the hall to the bullpen, he passed Maynard. I just have to use the head, Sheriff. Bannister said he'd keep an eye on the kid for me, Maynard explained. Joe nodded. Joe found Bill looming over Jasper, his six-feet-four-inch frame dwarfing the thin, wiry boy. Joe realized that a kind of staring contest was taking place between the two of them. His deputy was glaring down at Jasper as the boy looked up defiantly at his deputy. Bill, I want you to run the plate from that Jeep ASAP. See if it's been reported stolen. See if you can contact the owner. Let him know that we have his vehicle, but it's been involved in an accident, Joe said. Sure thing, Sheriff. As soon as I do that, I'll write this little punk up and book him, Bannister said as he stepped back from the boy. Joe pursed his lips as if he were trying to make a decision. Do we really want to do that? We'd have to put him back there with that murderer. Jasper sat up in his chair, raised his head, his eyes widened. I know the DA is going to want to press charges, but I don't want an incident to happen while he's here in our custody, Joe said, pulling a ring of keys off a nearby desk. He fiddled with him until he found a large jail cell key. He turned his attention from Bannister to Jasper. Joe stared hard at the boy. The DA? Come on, Sheriff, Jasper whined. The boy swallowed hard. His eyes were watery, but there were no tears yet. If you tell me where you got the Jeep, I could talk to the DA and see what we could work out. I'm not the only one who used that old Jeep. Every kid in school was taking it out joyriding for the last two months. They wouldn't take me along. So when I found where they kept it, I figured it was my turn. Just my dumb luck that the brakes went and the fucking tires blew. Damn piece of shit, Jasper said in frustration. Joe raised one eyebrow. Really? Where did everyone get this Jeep? Come on, Sheriff. Joe looked at the boy and then at the keys in his hands. Bill, has the linen been changed in that cell? Are you kidding me? You're not going to put me back there in that rat hole with that murderer, are you?
Bill. Bill stepped forward and grasped Jasper by his arm, lifting him off the bench. It's clean enough for the likes of him, Sheriff. All right, all right. Just tell this two-bit deputy to take his damn hands off of me, Jasper replied, a look of defiance on his face. Let him go, Bill. I think we should put him back there with the bed bugs. They don't bite their own kind, Bill replied. Fuck you, Bannister. You can kiss my ass. I'd kick you in your nuts if you had any, Jasper taunted. You little piece of good-for-nothing, shh, Bill, Joe said evenly. Bill Bannister let go of Jasper's arm, and the boy dropped back to the bench. Jasper rubbed his arm where Bill had grabbed him. Joe caught Jasper peering up at him with a look of reluctance in his eyes. All right, Jasper, you got my attention. Tell me, Joe said. I overheard some kids talking, Jasper began. I need names, Joe pressed. Jasper squirmed uncomfortably on the hard wooden bench, still holding his arm. He hesitated for a moment. I'm not playing with you, Jasper. I will have Bill put you in that cell. It was Corey Bradford, Douglas Janot, and Fat Charlie. They said it was parked up at the lake, back in the woods by the campground. Fat Charlie said it was there for over a month before anyone even bothered it. Hell, Douglas said that whoever owned it had abandoned it. Joe nodded solemnly. Go on. Hell, that's all I know. Do these boys have addresses and phone numbers? I don't know their phone numbers. Do you know where they live? I know where Fat Charlie lives. What's Fat Charlie's last name? Trudeau. Sheriff, I know where Charles Trudeau lives, and I know where the other two boys live as well, Eve interjected. Fine, Eve, I want you to call their parents. Tell them to come in to see me. I want to speak with them. Yes, Sheriff. Oh, and Eve, who called the joy right in? It was Beatrice Merriweather. Apparently, Jasper drove that jeep through her prize rose bushes. She was just livid, Sheriff. Ah, that's all we need. He inhaled and let his breath out slowly. Eve, call Carl over at the gas station. Tell him we'll need to store that jeep for a while until we can get something definite about the owner. Right away, Sheriff. Joe saw Eve glance at Jasper out of the corner of her eye. Sheriff, isn't it about time for me to order dinner for the prisoners? Joe nodded. She turned to Jasper. What would you like for dinner? The boy looked confused at first. We feed all of our prisoners. The town pays for it, Joe coaxed. A look of amazement crossed Jasper's face and then delight. He wiped his eyes with the back of his shirt sleeve. Oh, if that's the case, then I'll have three cheeseburgers, a double order of fries, and an extra-large chocolate shake. The sheriff said dinner, not your last meal, Bill Bannister quipped sarcastically. Jasper frowned at the deputy, but didn't respond to Bill's taunt. He turned back to Joe, his face filled with expectation. Have them put a rush on that order, Eve, Joe said with a half-smile. Jasper, don't you have something to say to the sheriff? Eve asked. Yeah, didn't your mama teach you any manners? Bill badgered. Why don't you fuck off, you dickhead? Jasper lashed back. See, sheriff, that's what I was talking about, Bill fumed. Jasper, Eve exclaimed. Sorry, Mrs. Hogan. He turned to Joe. Thanks, sheriff. You're welcome, Jasper, Joe said, giving Bill a hard look. Joe turned back to Jasper. Mrs. Hogan will bring you your dinner. 
and you can eat at one of the empty desks. When do I get to go home? I can't let you go home until I talk to your mother. My mother's working a double shift at the mill. She doesn't get off until midnight, and I have school tomorrow. You should have thought about that before you decided to take your joyride, Joe replied. Isn't your father home? Bill asked. Joe watched Jasper turn toward Bill, his eyes wide, but he didn't respond. Bill smiled. Oh, I'm sorry. Who is your father this week? Jasper jumped off the bench and screamed, Fuck off, you scumbag. You think you're so high and mighty. You like to talk shit, but you sure do seem to like to screw my cousin Hunter whenever she'll let you. What's wrong, Bannister? Your wife ain't giving it up the way she used to? You little shithead, I'll wring your neck for you. And save your mother the trouble of having to deal with you, Bannister swore as he reached out for Jasper. Bill. Joe's voice was low, almost a growl. Bill stopped and walked over to his desk. I'll check on that plate, Sheriff, Bill said as he picked up the piece of paper with the license plate number on it. Jasper, you sit down and be quiet. You've been told once that there's a lady here. You don't use that kind of language in her presence. After you've eaten your dinner, I'll decide what I'm going to do with you, Joe said sternly. Jasper nodded solemnly, but couldn't help stealing a glance at Bill Bannister. I'm sorry, Sheriff. Joe had just turned to walk down the hall to his office when the telephone rang. Sheriff, I think you better take this, Eve said, holding the phone in her outstretched right hand, her left hand over the lower half of the receiver. It's Mrs. Dalton. He walked over to Eve's desk, and she handed him the phone. Sheriff Martin, can I help you? As he listened, his brows furrowed. He motioned to Eve for a pad and a pencil. Slow down, Mrs. Dalton. Can you say that again? Well, all right. When was she supposed to be home? He continued to write as he spoke. He glanced at the clock on the wall. She left the Kittredge house at 4 o'clock. It's 6.30 now. She's been missing for two and a half hours. No, tell your husband to stay there. I'm coming over to talk with both of you. He hung up the phone and turned to Eve. Bill and I are going over to the Daltons. As soon as Jasper finishes dinner, I want you to call his mother at the mill and have her pick him up after she gets off work. Tell her I want to see her tomorrow here in my office. Make sure she understands tomorrow, Eve. Sheriff, what about the Jeep? Bill asked. Bill, give the plate number to Eve. He turned to Eve. Eve, check and see who the Jeep is registered to and if it's been reported stolen. Yes, Sheriff. Let's go, Bill. Just as the two men started across the floor, the telephone rang once more. Good evening, Sheriff's Office. Can I help you? Joe glanced at Eve. The older woman raised her eyebrows precariously. Good evening, Mrs. Merriweather. The Sheriff? Joe shook his head and pointed at the door. No, I'm sorry. He's out on another call, Eve replied. She paused, her lips pulled tight, as she listened to the voice on the other end of the line. Yes, we caught the culprit. She paused again, obviously a prisoner to the voice on the phone. No, I can't give you that information. Eve shook her head back and forth, her eyes rolling back in her head as she glanced up at the ceiling and then back at Joe as he stood momentarily motionless facing her, his hand on the knob of the station house door. Of course, I will have Sheriff Martin call you just as soon as he comes in.
Joe nodded at Eve, a small smile creeping across his face. She returned his nod and drew her tightened lips into an exaggerated smiley face. With her left hand, she made a brisk downward sweeping motion for him to leave, like a wife expertly flicking a bit of dandruff from the shoulder of her husband's good Sunday suit, signaling to Joe that she had everything under control. Joe smiled briefly at Eve, shook his head, and the two men walked out of the station house door. And now a preview of our next episode. Joe Martin has not always been a small-town sheriff. He used to be a city homicide detective. Before that, he worked on a special unit investigating missing children. What is Joe's intuition and experience telling him about Judith Dalton's sudden disappearance? What will he tell her worried parents? If you'd like to get the next free episode early, please consider becoming a Patreon member. It only costs $3 a month to join. That's less than a cup of coffee from you-know-who to enjoy access to compelling original storytelling. That's not the only benefit of being one of our Patreon members. In addition to early access to free episodes, only our Patreon members will have access to each new weekly episode of the second half of each book after the free portion of the book is over. And that's not all. Our Patreon members will also be treated to our periodic commentary, as well as having access to the entire back catalog of our episodes as our podcast goes forward. So please, click the link in the show description now if you're interested in becoming a Patreon member. Also, please note that you can follow us on Twitter at sdreadfuls, We will use Twitter to make any announcements concerning the podcast, like letting you know when the free portion of a book is about to end and when a new book will begin. We'd like to thank you for listening to Serial Dreadfuls. As always, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.